So the, the core, we have all kinds of little, little bits and pieces about what to do to get here. But the core is this should feel like a conversation. I think often interviewers feel like they need to set up this power dynamic. They need, they need the, the interviewee to kind of be respectful and this sir and ma'am and, and kind of keep them on their toes. But the truth is, as long as they're in that protective, careful mindset, you aren't gonna see what you need to see. You need to give a little of yourself. You need to let things be conversational and easy so that you can get the view of them that you need to get. So most of the work that we do is in the construction industry. And I'd say 95, 99% of the times that I swear, it's fully intentional. Yep. And so one of the things that I'll do at, at some point in the interview is I will swear, I'll let some swear word slip, but it's intentional. Mm -hmm. And the purpose of that is very specific in that I'm trying to communicate to them that it's okay just to be yourself. Mm -hmm. It's okay Absolutely. that you don't have to put on a, a facade. You can just be you and we're just people having a chat. Yep, absolutely. Welcome to The Critical Path with Mary and Jason, a podcast about business development, company culture, and loving the place you work just a little bit more. This is episode 26, and we are gonna talk about hiring the right person for the job. So last week, we talked a little bit about figuring out whether you have a recruiting problem or a culture problem at your company. It was exciting. It was exciting. If you missed it, go check it out. Now. Omelets were thrown. Oh gosh! Stuff got crazy. Cheese. <laughs> I thought that there was any There's conversation some mosh about pits. Cheese. Yeah, there there were mosh pits. Yeah, several. Yeah, it was exciting. Okay. Anyway. So this week we're going to talk about. Let's assume that you have determined that your culture is moving in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Doesn't have to be perfect. And now you really are ready to think about hiring. Mm -hmm. So recently we were asked to do something that we do sometimes, which is uh, doing a round of interviews mm -hmm. for a client. Mm -hmm. It's something that we don't do all the time. We only do it under a very specific set of circumstances. But when we do it, it's actually something that we really enjoy. We really love the process of building the right set of steps mm -hmm. in order to get the right people into the chairs and what that interview process looks like and how you pick the right people for the job. Mm -hmm. And so we thought this would be a good time to talk to you about what that process looks like. So once you feel like we're moving in the right direction, what do we do? If we, if we need to fill a role, where do we start? So the first important part here in terms of kind of talking about the theory of this process is if we are in a place where we have a great, strong culture and we love our culture, then it's gonna be it's gonna be like muscle memory for you to hire to that culture because mm -hmm. that's already what you've been doing. That is what you've built. But if you're in a place where you've been working to fix your culture, you've been working to build a better culture, then it's important to keep in mind you need to lean into the culture that you are shooting for mm -hmm. when you hire. You need to hire people who are at home in that target culture that we are that we are working towards rather than hiring people that fit in the old culture mm -hmm. or even at this weird transitional state where we are now. The more that we hire people who fit in that target culture, the more that's going to pull the whole culture in that direction. Say the cultural goal. Right. Yeah. That's that's where we're trying to head. And sometimes we have to be careful that we don't hire too 
far away from our current culture mm-hmm. because that can be really traumatic for for both the person that we're bringing in mm-hmm. and our existing team. Absolutely, but we we talked a lot about that last week, mm-hmm. and so that was the, that old. Well, and the idea here is not that we have this toxic culture and then we're hiring the people mm-hmm. that we want. Yep. But again, we kind of already prefaced this by saying once your culture is moving in the right direction, once you are actively building that new culture, whatever that looks like. Uh, because again, I'll reference episode 12 where we talked about all the different ways that company culture can look. And I mm-hmm. think that that's an important piece of the conversation because it doesn't mean you have to have one very specific, you know, uh, we often use Google as an example or a lot of those big tech companies. You know, those people with omelet bars. Right, where you have omelet bars at work. And massage parlors. Yeah, and you can take, you have nap chairs mm-hmm. and like, that's all great. But like, it's true that we can't all build that specific culture. And mm-hmm. that culture isn't the best culture for every kind industry. of work that yep. we would do. Yeah. So whatever that culture looks like, it's important that we are leaning into what our, our target is when mm-hmm. we hire people. So one of the major resources that folks will go to are recruiters, headhunters. The only idea is, okay, so I'm working hard. I'm hard at work on my culture and my mm-hmm. people and, and my work, my actual trade. So can't I just have someone else kind of take care of that recruiting process for me and, and keep my focus in the right place? So it's important to think about uh, different people in different roles. They all have their own agenda. And it's not even a malicious agenda. But when you, when you hire a surgeon, their trade is cutting on people. When you hire a doctor, their trade is giving people pills and medicine. So we talk a lot about when we're trying to motivate people about building a game. And the way that the game is built will drive the, the behavior the thing that we're trying that we're we're causing people to do. Mm-hmm. So a, a thing that that we have a hard time with, we know and have met many recruiters who mm-hmm. are lovely, nice people. Yeah. However, the game for recruiting firms is built to incentivize some very specific results. Mm-hmm. So recruiters get paid to do a very specific thing. They move people from one company into another. Or from the from the line of people who are just out and looking for jobs. Mm-hmm. But they essentially don't get paid without a successful placement. Mm-hmm. Therefore, they have an incentive to put the person in the place where they receive the best benefit. Yeah. So basically, the question isn't necessarily where is this person best suited Mm -hmm. the question is who is the highest percentage likelihood to actually hire this person so Mm -hmm. i can get paid and again this isn't to imply that they don't care about anything but money but they have families to feed and Mm -hmm. mortgages to pay and And a life to live this is the game that they're playing absolutely yeah so then the other question is often generally the way that they get paid depends on the salary that the person makes Mm -hmm. so that means that they are more interested in people who make higher salaries and they're more interested in placing those people with the companies that will pay the highest salary so common feedback we have is that uh, if you're a smaller company, it can be difficult to to successfully use a recruiter for the reason that the people that you're going to to have access to are the people that nobody else wanted. Yeah. They're going to give people to the higher paying, bigger companies mm-hmm. first, and also they're going to incentivize the companies that are utilizing them on a regular basis as mm-hmm. opposed to if you're a small company and you just need one person and that's the only hire you need this year, it changes the, the metrics of that. So 
we oftentimes receive cold calls from from potential clients saying that they would like us to help with recruiting. Mm -hmm. And and we're very clear out the gate that we are not recruiters, we're not headhunters, because in order to actually understand whether or not a person will be successful there, we have to understand the nature of their culture, Mm -hmm. how their team dynamic operates. And if we don't understand where they're, they're going to be set, then we're not going to be very successful at placing a person. So the way that we at Arcade engage with this, and and we'll talk more about this, is that first of all, we won't recruit for companies that we aren't working with in other in other ways. We need to be kind of inside the door. We need to be actively working closely with that company enough that we really understand what they need. Mm-hmm. Then we also don't maintain lists of people or have people that we're actively trying to place, we do just exactly what you or a person at your company would do, which is write the right job posting, get it posted, run the interviews, Mm -hmm. and our income on that scenario is hourly. Just a function of how long it took. It's the time that we spent. Mm -hmm. And while we don't have repositories of candidates, Uh, We do know a lot of people and so when people come loose and they're looking for a home Then oftentimes we'll help them get placed even for for zero dollars because we have a a Client who would need a person with their skill set and with that right cultural fit Mm -hmm. And then we'll land them in that place and on we go and we work to build relationships with not just the leadership of the company but people all over the company so when one of those people leaves a job that's not working for them and they come to us, it's it's really more a matter of that personal connection where, mm-hmm. you know, as long as everything is out in the open, as long as the leadership at their company knows that that's how we're interacting, then we like to help out just the same as you help anybody that you genuinely liked to mm-hmm. find a place where they'd be happy. Yeah. So the, the first step without regard to recruiters to recruit or not to recruit is <laughs> is your job posting so many times folks will think that that a job description is a job posting yep it's an advertisement mm-hmm. so we find companies where they're handing job postings to people mm-hmm. as their job description and we find places where they take a job description document and post that as a job posting And the truth is, and we've talked about this before, a job posting and a job description are two very different things. Mm -hmm. A job description is something that you have after you have the job, that you have in your hands, and it tells you which things in this company are your responsibility. What is it that you are supposed to do here? Mm -hmm. A job posting is a document that tells you what skills would Mm -hmm. you need to have in order to succeed here. You don't need to know line by line the things that you will do. You need to know what do you need to be good at to be the right person for this job. So a job description is facing inward towards the company employees. And a job posting is essentially a marketing piece. It's a sales piece that that is outward facing. Mm -hmm. And the the primary purpose is to draw attention and draw the right kind of attention Mm -hmm. from the people who would be a good fit at your company. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's, it's not really your job in the job posting to let them know what they will be doing. Mm-hmm. It's your job to filter to get the right people in the door who have the mm-hmm. right skills. So you can see where these are two extremely different purposes. 
Uh, but we often try to use the same document for both. Mm -hmm. So the first piece is understanding what a job posting is, what it looks like, and how to write one. It doesn't want to be something that's heavy. It should not be three pages long. It should be very short and sweet and to the point. Lots of bullet points. Yeah, it should be uh, inviting. It should tell you all of the great things about the company, mm -hmm. whether or not we have an omelet bar. <laughs> well, sometimes we like to try to obscure mm -hmm. who we are in the job posting, mm -hmm. to not say the company name or yeah. not say it's just- We're not talking about compensation. It is just a company that's mm -hmm. looking for a person. Mm -hmm. And so with the conversation we've been having about culture, when we hide who we are in the job posting, we've already put the wrong foot forward. You know, mm -hmm. There's this feeling like we don't want people to know that we are hiring or you know, there's this kind of sense of trying to keep things close and or, secret. Or that we're hiring for a specific role. Yeah, absolutely. Right, there's some politicking going on there. Absolutely, but the truth is that we need, for the people that are coming in the door, we need to communicate who we are, not just our company name, but it's good to have some little piece in mm -hmm. the, the posting that tells you something about who we are and why we're a great company to work for. Mm -hmm. So once we've identified what our job posting looks like, we know uh, ideally what it is that we're looking for, what do we do with it then? So now it's time to start communicating it to the world, to publish it. So the first thing you should always do is publish it inside your company. Mm -hmm. Because there might be people who want that job, who want that role, who even if it's gonna take some time and effort or work to get them to it, it's a good thing for you to know. Mm -hmm. You should know who within your company wants that role, even if that's not who you end up hiring for that role. It's it's good information to have. So a practice that we promote is to post those job postings mm -hmm. or job descriptions in some cases, but job postings internal to the company mm -hmm. in a lunchroom in some place where we're passing by oftentimes, mm -hmm. and not just post or share the job postings for that year, but post job postings for next year and two years out for the mm -hmm. idea that we're, we're communicating to the team that these jobs, these positions will be needed in one or two years, and these are roughly what it is that these are the skills that you'll need to have in order to, to have a shot at it mm -hmm. so that we're communicating the fact that we have opportunities that aren't here yet, but they're coming yep. so that everybody starts talking about it and they might be able to identify a person either themselves or someone they know who would be a good fit for that role today or in the future. And even if, again, so let's say we have a, a posting for a, a position that's a little higher up in the company. We're looking for a project manager and we have someone in the company and they want that role and we end up posting that internally, talking to them, explaining to them what it is they would need to do to be a project manager, even though it's gonna take them time to get there. Mm -hmm. And then we do hire someone else. The reaction to that is super different from the reaction you would get if that person who wanted that job, wanted that job, wanted that job, mm -hmm. and then one day someone shows up and we've hired them from outside the company. We could hire that same person, but if we communicate it right, and if we make sure that they understand that that is an opportunity that's available to them, but here's the work they need to do to get there. Mm -hmm. It's an entirely different reception. It puts the ownership on them. Absolutely, and it, it lets them understand that they have opportunity, but mm -hmm. they just need to work for yeah. it. So the other part of that po internal posting is even if it's a low level post, if we say, look, I'm just looking for field labor and everyone at the company is either field labor or higher, so there's no point posting it internally. But sometimes the best people for the job are people that your people know. Mm -hmm. So we suggest people have some kind of a finder's fee so that if you're field labor and you have a buddy who you know is good at the job and is looking or maybe even isn't looking right now but mm -hmm. you want to you want to bring him over here then 
will give you a kickback on that mm-hmm. to try to encourage that because your best people know who other good people are. Mm-hmm. And it's important that you set the finder's fee at the right level because if it's mm-hmm. uh, $100, mm-hmm. so if we successfully hire somebody and it's $100, how many people would you be willing to talk to mm-hmm. to, to ask if they're interested in joining you for $100 if all goes well? Yeah. Whereas if it's $15,000 mm-hmm. for a successful placement, how many people would you be willing to talk to yeah. for, for that amount of money? And that number significantly changes. So mm-hmm. so that scope of, of the reward changes your behavior. Mm-hmm. So if we're looking to really drum up interest, putting down a bit of money for that finder's fee really changes the scope of who we have access to. Yeah, so it needs to be high enough, but it also needs to not be too high. Mm-hmm. Because when you set it too high, then the stakes get too high and that can cause negativity and mm-hmm. it can cause problems. Kind of toxic competition. Yeah, so it's it's really about finding the right number that's going to be uh, a benefit mm-hmm. to your people, but not life changing. Mm-hmm. Or it could be an all expenses paid trip to somewhere, right? Could be. We'll go ahead and sponsor that. Could be, but you want to make like sure to us to Hawaii. <laughs> you you want to make sure that you are uh, also setting this so that if you think about if I got the perfect person for mm-hmm. this job. What would that be worth to me? Mm-hmm. And and make sure that the finder's fee you're offering yeah, isn't higher than absolutely. that because you want to make sure that, that it makes sense for you. Yeah. So there are a lot of posting sites that are in play. So Indeed is a great one. Uh, you spend a couple hundred bucks on it, but you do have access to, to some good folks. Uh, Craigslist is is what it is. I mean, it, you get access to, to people. It takes a little bit more filtering. LinkedIn is good, but oftentimes, LinkedIn networking is is better value as opposed to LinkedIn job posting. Yeah, absolutely. But also don't forget about the community colleges and the trade schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they Their job is to place people. They have job fairs all the time. It's pretty easy to get involved there, but there are oftentimes job postings and job boards that, that you can get mm-hmm. access to. So you aren't going to get necessarily experienced people from mm-hmm. community college, but the point is, or trade schools, but the point is these are people who are just entering the industry. Mm-hmm. They have nothing to unlearn. Mm-hmm. And the truth is it's a mixed bag because some of the people who 20 years from now will be the strongest, best people in the industry, they're in that pool, mm-hmm. ready to start their career. Mm-hmm. So with the right process, you can get to some really skilled, really smart, really talented people who just need the training to be mm-hmm. ready to do the job. Yeah. And of course, when they come out of college, when folks come out of college with degrees, that means that they're ready to start learning that trade. Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind when you're interviewing and hiring. Absolutely. But they're also going to be really motivated to find the right job, to Mm -hmm. find the right fit because they haven't started their career yet. They've been in school. They probably have some debt. Mm -hmm. So it's a it's a great time in people's career to pick people up if you understand what you're getting, if you understand the the level of support and training that they will need. Mm And finally, uh, sometimes there can be sources that are specific to your industry. So uh, an example of this is that Stack Overflow is a website that's actually a, a repository of information for people in computer programming. So if you come up against a weird problem and you don't know what to do, that's where you go to ask mm-hmm. the question. But Stack, Over- Stack Overflow also has a job listing section on their site. Mm-hmm. So in the same way, any given industry, there might be sources that are specific to your industry 
that so the reason that Stack Overflow is such a good place to look for coders is that coders are there whether they're looking for a job or not. Mm -hmm. So something might catch their eye in the sidebar that you're going to get someone who wasn't even necessarily looking. Yeah. So in the same way, if your industry has specific places where people tend to go, that can be a great place to find those people. Mm -hmm. So next step. So now that we've put our posting out there and hopefully we're getting all kinds of responses, mm -hmm. the next question is, how do we filter those responses so that we're only sitting down and spending time with the right people? The people who we feel like will fill the need properly. Because the truth here is, this is not a process of just taking the uh, best designed, most polished, visually interesting mm -hmm. and polished resumes. Mm -hmm. There's a lot more to the sort of reading the tea leaves that happens here. Are there a bunch of typos, right? And, it, and does that matter? And does it matter? Right? right, so for a foreman position, it might not necessarily matter, mm -hmm. but depending on the role that we need to fill, the way that it's presented has the ability to tell us something about the person. Yeah, well, and a good example of that is, uh, for one of the recent foreman job listings, someone sent a copy of their resume, I believe this was a, a Craigslist response, because those can be a little less mm -hmm. polished, and it was, it looked like maybe a phone picture mm -hmm. of their CV. Yeah and it was turned sideways with like black bars on the top and the bottom and mm -hmm. it's like fuzzy, not great resolution, but it's there, all it's the like, information is there. Yeah. So for a foreman or a labor position, that's fine. Mm -hmm. They got the information across and that's all you need to care about. Yeah. However, if I was looking to hire a PM or even like an admin, mm -hmm. I would want somebody who is very comfortable with the proper way to scan a document, mm -hmm. to rotate it, to save it in the right file format. I would be looking for it to be submitted as though someone has the skills that I'm looking for. So mm -hmm. someone who sends a poorly uh, a poorly formatted, like from a computer document standpoint, if they send their resume in poorly, and I'm looking for someone with computer skills, mm -hmm. that's a different conversation than someone who just did what they had to do to get the information to me for a field job. And here we're doing a bit of reading the tea leaves to understand does this person fit the need uh, mm -hmm. technologically or, or with respect to their qualifications? Mm -hmm. uh, the way that they're presenting themselves to me tells me something that is even more detailed than what's actually on the paper. Mm -hmm. right? That mode of delivery and how they communicate it, uh, communicate the information, can be more valuable than the, the text itself. But already at this point, you're thinking about what the skills are you're looking for. So mm -hmm. again, someone I'm hiring for a marketing position, mm -hmm. I'd be looking for some design elements on that resume. I'd mm -hmm. be looking for it to look fancy. Mm -hmm. So it's important that we think about what we're actually looking for in this job. Mm -hmm. But then also there's reading the actual experience. Mm -hmm. What have they done? And it does not have to be the position that you're looking for right now. It doesn't have to be. You're looking, you're kind of looking at this like a three-dimensional picture, looking mm -hmm. for what the skills are that would make them successful at that other job that mm -hmm. they did and how that fits with the position you're looking for. Sometimes we're looking for someone who's done the job for 10 years, and that's great. But sometimes someone could be really successful at the job we're looking for mm -hmm. because of skills they used in an entirely different format. So in an example, we were interviewing a guy who was a Chinook helicopter pilot. 
or a helicopter a mechanic. Mechanic, right? yeah, he and, worked on those helicopters. And so that was his skill set and that was his superpower that he enjoyed working on those machines. And that he could encounter them and and be able to diagnose them and take them apart and put them back together mm-hmm. kind of intuitively. He was also good with car engines, mm-hmm. even though you don't necessarily know the exact schematics of that car engine, mm-hmm. but you, you can work with that three-dimensional kind of skill set. Mm-hmm. So then we would ask ourselves not whether or not he has five years of construction experience, mm-hmm. but if he is strong at mechanical aptitude, then where else could that apply? Mm-hmm. And could this potentially be a good fit because of that related experience? Mm-hmm. So if you have someone who's good with car engines and car engines is what they want to do or helicopter mm-hmm. engines and that's what they want to do and you try to put them into a different position that's not necessarily ideal. Right. But if they're applying for a position, they want to learn something different. The question is, and, and you would know this for yourself better than, than Jason or I could ever know, is that mechanical aptitude good enough? Mm-hmm. Could they get really good at the equipment that you work with by having that skill set? So now we've sorted through the, the pile of resumes and we're trying to make heads or tails of interviews. And mm-hmm. of course, one of the, the items that you want to pay attention to is you want to respond quickly mm-hmm. to the people who apply. Mm-hmm. Make sure that, that if you're interested in them, pick up the phone. Yep. Right. Get get them directly and and let them know that you're interested in talking to them. Yep. And and go ahead and show your cards and, and let them know that you're enthusiastic about meeting them. We often interview people within 24 hours mm-hmm. of seeing that, that resume pop up. We look at it. We know that we want to talk to them and we mm-hmm. call and say, what are you doing today? Mm-hmm. What are you doing tomorrow? What are you doing right now? Yep. Are you nearby? And yep. in fact, we, we picked up the phone and, and one of the candidates was here in 20 minutes. Yep. And he was a keeper. Mm-hmm. And he was apologetic because he mm-hmm. said, I would address up if I would have known I was coming to an interview today but uh, there was value in seeing because what we ended up seeing is how he dresses for work Mm -hmm. and how he dresses for work was presentable and great he looked great so that told us something that him in a suit would never tell us because Mm -hmm. he's not gonna wear a suit to this job Right. So how do we set up interviews so that they go well they communicate what we want to and, and we do them right so the, the core, we have all kinds of little little bits and pieces about what to do to get here. But the core is this should feel like a conversation. I think often interviewers feel like they need to set up this power dynamic. They need, they need the, the interviewee to kind of be respectful and this sir and ma'am and, and kind of keep them on their toes. But the truth is, as long as they're in that protective, careful mindset, you aren't gonna see what you need to see. You need to give a little of yourself. You need to let things be conversational and easy so that you can get the view of them that you need to get. So most of the work that we do is in the construction industry. And I'd say 95, 99% of the times that I swear, it's fully intentional. Yep. And so one of the things that I'll do at, at some point in the interview is I will swear I'll let some swear word slip, but it's intentional. Mm-hmm. And the purpose of that is very specific in that I'm trying to communicate to them that it's okay just to be yourself. Mm-hmm. It's okay Absolutely. that you don't have to put on a, a facade. You can just be you and we're just people having a chat. Yep, absolutely. And I think it's important, again, that you, in, in a lot of those ways, so we ask a question about uh, what are you not good at? Mm-hmm. and when it's appropriate and relevant, I love to contribute pieces of that of our own. Mm-hmm. That's, there's something that I'm not good at. Someone said, 
know, I'm I'm not good at electrical systems. And the answer is neither is Jason. Oh yeah. <laughs> He's terrible don't get at me it. started on that. <laughs> we had a house remodel project in which it was clear that Jason was not an electrician. That's why we have electricians. It's true. It's true. So I think that that it's really important to have that mindset to understand that we want to get to a place where we're just two people mm-hmm. having a conversation because that's when we see what we need to see. And in interviews, we rarely even write anything down mm-hmm. because the answers matter far less than the conversation itself. It's the, the feeling that you walk away from that interview with is the most important piece, especially to the very first interview. Mm-hmm. So there are questions that are expected. and They're the status quo. Mm-hmm. So we usually like to, to take a look at the resume and ask, sometimes there are questions that are obvious where you look at it and say, what happened here? Why did you only work here for a month? What, what happened there? What's the story behind that? But also, this is a great place to just have conversation pieces to say, wow, you worked with Chinook helicopters? That's really cool. What was that like? Mm-hmm. Right? And that's not relevant. That's not something that's getting to a piece of information you need. But often, by hearing them talk about that job experience, something cool that happened, something different, something unusual, you see what lights them up and mm-hmm. what they're interested in. Not only that, but when you ask questions about their work experience that aren't defensive. So when you say, why were you only here for a month? That's a defensive question, Mm -hmm. right? They feel like they need to justify. But when you ask a question like, what was cool about working with this thing that you worked with? You give them a chance to settle into their comfort zone, to talk about what they're good at, and that will help put them at ease. Mm -hmm. And so in a lot of ways, the purpose of the interview questions should be getting them to that point where they're comfortable talking. Mm -hmm. It has literally nothing to do with the questions you're asking or the answers they're giving. Mm -hmm. You're just basically opening them up so that you you can have a real chat. Yep, absolutely. But one of my favorite things to do is to ask questions that they've never been asked before mm-hmm. and have never been been asked in common interviews that will set them off balance a little bit uh, or make them laugh or, or make them start to think that this conversation is a little bit different than than any other that I've had before. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's, it's, again, when you set them off balance a little, that can help put them in that place where they stop trying to defend or justify or impress and start just talking about what is. Mm-hmm. Um, so so what are some of those questions? Oh, some of the questions that I'll ask there. Uh, so one question is, tell me, um, tell me about a time that you did something that you regret. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. That kind of cuts to the quick. And we all have done something that we regret. Mm-hmm. And the way that they respond to it, they could give you a canned response. Mm-hmm. I regret always telling the truth because you know, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I regret I re- being a perfectionist. Yeah, I regret being a perfectionist. But if you, you, you basically give them the opportunity to share something personal, it's not required, but mm-hmm. to share something about the core of who they are. Well, and something off-balancing that you do here is generally you'll say, what's something you regret? And you'll see them preparing that canned response. And before you mm-hmm. let them start talking, you say, and don't give me the bullshit job interview answer. Yeah. Don't give me the answer that, that just like you just said, don't yeah. give me the, the prepared canned answer. Mm-hmm. I wanna know something you really regret. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think another kind of piece in that direction is, uh, tell me about a mistake you made at work mm-hmm. once and what happened. And, and how it didn't go how well. How did it resolve? Yeah. yeah. Because often with the what do you regret question, you often get very personal responses mm-hmm. about uh, marriages that went wrong or things like that, which personal answers are good. Um, But if we're looking more for how do you handle when you screw up at work, Mm -hmm. you can kind of point the question in that direction. Yeah. Uh, So 
it's important too that when you're going through and, and performing interviews that you do keep your HR hat on. Mm-hmm. There should be some things that you stay away from. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so these are the, the traditional, uh, what is your marriage status? Are you having planning to have kids anytime uh, I in was the future? Asked, yeah, I was asked at a job interview, mm-hmm. are you planning to get pregnant? Mm-hmm. Which is a no-no, you're not supposed to ask those kind of questions. Right, uh, so there are questions there that I feel like they're they're pretty it should be obvious. It should be obvious. But if you don't know, mm-hmm. then you can take a little time and do a little homework before you start doing interviews mm-hmm. and just kind of come to an understanding of what are or aren't okay questions mm-hmm. to ask. Uh, do you have any medical conditions that I should be aware of? Right. Right. That's a no-no. That so a no-no. you want to make sure that you're, you're cautious about those types of things. But at the same time, don't don't be so afraid that that you don't ask the important questions that you totally have a right to ask. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? Like unimportant questions. I love to, to pepper in unimportant questions or silly questions in the interview process mm-hmm. in between important questions and heartfelt questions like what's your favorite color? Yep, that's a great one. One of my favorite answers to that was just immediate. Just, uh, people usually like when you ask that question, mm-hmm. they kind of it takes what? them a minute because it that's it. It changes the gear, right? Yeah. They're like, wait, what? What? Oh, okay, I guess. But we had someone who answered it like just immediate, just mm-hmm. like millisecond blue. Yeah, and uh, he said, "Yeah, I have a five-year-old at home, so I get asked that question literally every day," which I thought was a really fun answer to that. Right. Uh, questions like, if you could be one animal, what would it be? Right. So questions that kind of make you you change your your patter. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if you're kind of in your prepared interview work mode, you have a certain expectation about how you're supposed to behave. Mm-hmm. And what we're trying to do is shake them loose of that a little bit to mm-hmm. try to, to tear down the walls of protection that they built up. Yep. Right. We want to see the real them. We don't want to see a fake them. Yep. And when you run into people who like stuff that you like, that can always be a lot of fun, too. So mm-hmm. I like to ask people if they are people who have expressed interest in video games or board mm-hmm. games. Ask questions about what they play, what they like, and why. Because mm-hmm. it will, if you understand that thing, it will tell you something oh, about yeah. them. And <laughs> so one of, one of my uh, questions that I like to ask is very much along those lines is we try to find things that we have in common. And so sometimes people will say, yes, I love games. And then you drill a little bit deeper and you find out that they actually don't they don't play games. Yeah. It's just something that they put on their resume to try to add character or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you drill into it to try to sort out where did this come from and, and are they being genuine and are they being honest? And if they're they're lying about something silly, mm-hmm. then, then does that apply does to that a more you? important piece? Well, even when you don't know about their thing that's their hobby, anytime mm-hmm. you can know what their hobby is, it can show you a really interesting glimpse into that person. So this was actually in coaching, not in a job interview. Mm-hmm. But I was coaching someone who was uh, a little closed, a little difficult to get through to. And then somehow in in conversation, it came out that uh, she was close to someone in her life who was a fan of restored pinball machines. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, she just, it was like the floodgates opened and she just lit up and was telling me all about what machines you can find where and uh, what, how the, where the graphics come from and just all of this, this interesting information that I don't know anything about that. That is 0% my -hmm. thing. Uh, But hearing someone talk about their thing is interesting and mm-hmm. it shows you a glimpse into who they really are. And by asking about it, it shows them that you care. Mm-hmm. And again, yeah. makes them more comfortable, mm-hmm. makes them happy. 
So once we've kind of, we're going through the, the interview process, it's important that we make sure that they're gonna be a good fit. So it's not just, are they smart? Mm-hmm. Are they skilled? The question is, where is it that I wanna see them go? And what, what about them makes me think that they'll fit there? Mm-hmm. So a funny story about me and Jason is that from very early in our marriage, we had this game that we would play. And I think a lot of married couples have these kind of things, silly conversations that they have. This is how you stay married for more than 20 years and don't run out of things to talk about. And in 25 years, there's a lot of space there for conversation. So a, a game that we used to play was to say for a book we were reading, or uh, I know one that we always still talk about to this day was that there was a Dungeons and Dragons cartoon in the 1980s. It was so good and so bad. It was so good and so bad. We actually just made our kids watch it the mm-hmm. other day. So this is the forefront of my memory because of this. So we used to say, who would play the characters in that cartoon mm-hmm. if you made a movie? And then we actually added a whole color to that to say, if you only have like 80s kind of Brat Pack era actors to, yeah. to pick from. Yeah. So the point of that whole conversation is that we spent a lot of time playing games and we had a whole cast for Game of Thrones that was very different from who they actually cast when they eventually got around to the HBO show. Yeah. So when you do that, you know, it'd be easy to say we're just taking like whoever is blonde and putting them into the role of the blonde person in the book. But there's actually a whole whole shade there of who carries that role, who embodies that role, who fits in that role. Who who embodies that personality. Absolutely. What are the what are all the pieces? If if every job is like an open spot in a jigsaw puzzle and every person is a puzzle piece, how do you find the right person to fit in the right spot? And it's about a lot more than the skill set required of that job position. Mm-hmm. So we oftentimes think that we're looking for a project manager, mm-hmm. but there are a hundred other properties that are more important than that project manager title or qualifications. Mm-hmm. So you know what is the culture that you have and what is the team that they're going into? Because if you have a rock star, really outgoing person and you put them into a team where everybody really works best when they can just focus in kind mm-hmm. of an engineer brain team, that can be a problem. Mm-hmm. You want to think about how they're going to fit in the environment where you are putting them. Mm-hmm. So if there's that cultural mismatch, there's nothing wrong with either person or, mm-hmm. or either entity, but it's just that we fundamentally have mismatched the, the cultural expectations. Yeah, absolutely. So it's important that we don't just look at, at the value. Are they an A player? Mm-hmm. But are could they be an A player in this environment? Mm-hmm. So the other piece of that is that there are technical skills involved. And that that doesn't have to be a weird formal process. So we were sitting down with a candidate who said, I'm not that great with computers. Mm -hmm. And it was not for a high tech role, but uh, Jason had his laptop in front of him because we were looking at his resume. And he was saying his typing speed was terrible. Yeah, he said, I'm not a good typer. Mm -hmm. And And that can mean a whole number of different things. So Jason just spun his laptop around put it in front of the guy and said, type me a funny joke. That was great Mm -hmm. because not only did it get him typing so that we could see that actually he was just fine as a typist for the job that he was applying for, Mm -hmm. but also there is a kind of pressure there. How can you perform under pressure when asked to type a joke? Uh, He's thinking through all the jokes he knows because I'm Mm -hmm. sure he knows a lot of jokes he's not about to type (laughs) in a job interview, right? 
And so it's a it's a great moment that it, it does apply a little pressure, but it's the right kind of pressure. It's mm-hmm. not a negative pressure. When you say tight me a joke, mm-hmm. they know that they're not about to be seriously judged by the quality of that joke. Yeah, right? this is not like a, a comedy writer. Right, exactly. So uh, there's always the story, and I've heard that it's not necessarily true, mm-hmm. but there's always the story that... It's folklore. Yeah, it's folklore, that when you would apply for a job at Ikea, you'd walk in and there'd be the furniture all disassembled and the set of instructions and they'd say, put that together. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, we often think that we have to either do like some kind of a full on field test or we can't figure out at all what their technical skills are. And the truth is that there are all kinds of little ways that you could hand them a tool that you expect them to have familiarity with. Ask them to take something apart. So there are all kinds of ways that you can put something in their hands to allow them to demonstrate some kind of technical knowledge of what you need them to know. Uh, and it's something that you just need to put a little thought into. Mm-hmm. And so in a lot of ways, the the work product that they turn out in that exchange can be less important than the way that they react to it. Absolutely. So essentially you're watching for their reaction more than you're actually measuring their typing speed. Yeah. But again, if there's some tool that they should really, mm-hmm. that, that any electrician would know how to use mm-hmm. and you hand it to them and they don't know what to do with it, yep. that is an interesting piece of information. So if they advertise that they're comfortable in AutoCAD or SketchUp or Revit or Bluebeam or any mm-hmm. of the, the estimating software tools that we use, and it'll be core. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I ask them on a scale of one to 10, what's your level of competency mm-hmm. using this tool, and they say it's a 10, mm-hmm. then I should be able to hand them that tool and ask them to, to execute a couple of simple steps mm-hmm. comfortably. And again, you could make it silly. So if you're asking them to demonstrate their awareness of mm-hmm. AutoCAD, mm-hmm. you can tell them, make me a three-dimensional rendering of your name. Yeah. Right? It doesn't have to be all just or your technical. initials, yeah, right? Something, something on the fly. Yeah, absolutely. Something they can just quickly and easily do that someone who is comfortable with that tool would be able to do in a heartbeat. If you asked our son, Gowan, 13 mm-hmm. years old, uh, make me your name in Tinkercad, which is his 3D printing software, that would be done in less than two minutes. Yeah. So, but other than just those technical skills, you want to focus on the soft skills that they will need for this job. Mm-hmm. So uh, the position we were recently interviewing for, one of the big questions we had was, how do you deal with conflict? Mm-hmm. And what, what does your relationship look like with conflict? Yeah. And the, the piece that Jason had in mind, the answer he wanted to hear was that someone runs toward conflict mm-hmm. rather than away from it. So we got one answer that was, uh, I don't actually have conflict. I get along with everyone, so mm-hmm. I don't have conflict. And what that told us was that was probably very true. This was probably a person who does not engender a lot of conflict, who would probably not thrive in the environment where we were looking would at sending. Probably get chewed up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then another applicant uh, had the answer, well, the best way to deal with conflict is to nip it right in the bud, mm-hmm. to immediately put everyone together and, and hash it out until you can work together again, yeah. which was not the words that they run toward conflict, but that was the answer that was being given. Mm-hmm. And it's important from an authenticity standpoint uh, to make sure that they're being genuine about it. Mm-hmm. Because if, if they don't believe that to their core and and they're, they know they're going to be put into a situation where they're expected to do that mm-hmm. and they can't mm-hmm. do that, that's a bad fit for everybody. Yeah, well, and you can always ask for an example. Mm-hmm. 
So they say you need to nip conflict in the bud. You need mm-hmm. to get everybody in the same room. Tell yeah. me about a time you did that. Yeah. Because there should be an answer. Mm-hmm. Tell me how it worked well or how it didn't work well. Mm-hmm. And so it's important too that, and, and we'll we'll uh, give this piece of feedback or information in interviews that we perform. The idea is if you're interviewing for a position, you should be interviewing them harder than they're interviewing you. Absolutely. And what that demonstrates is that that you want the position, but it's more important that we're a good fit for one another Mm -hmm. than it is that I land the position. Absolutely. You should not be looking for anyone who will take you. That applicant should not be looking for anyone that will take them. Mm -hmm. They should have questions for you that help them suss out whether this is the right place for them. And I want to know if if I'm being interviewed and I put you on the spot, how well do you respond to that? Yep. Right? If I'm if I'm applying for a position, I want to know how you react to it and how do you deal with the unexpected. Jason in his young career in job interviews often would turn to the interviewer and say, "Okay, how do I get your job? What do I have to do?" to to get your job what are the steps that i need to take to make that happen and that would tell you something very interesting about that company Mm -hmm. because if they react negatively then for for me personally that means that this is probably a bad place for me to to wind up yep absolutely and if they're open to it and they actually have an answer and they actually have a clear path to that promotion Mm -hmm. then that tells me something about them as well yep absolutely so it's important last note here is that uh we need to make sure that that we utilize more than just ourselves for the interview process. We want to make sure that other team members and people who are actually going to be working with them get the chance to meet them because there's a chemistry piece there too. So Absolutely. it's not just the HR manager, not just the hiring manager, but actually the people on the team who will be uh, working with them and have this relationship with them. Mm-hmm. Are they a good fit? What do they think? Right. Yep, especially because they will be they will be spending time with this person and they will be responsible in some ways for whether this person succeeds they're going to so, be part of their family mm-hmm, absolutely so i think you know you have your first interview that is kind of the filtering interview mm-hmm. and then if you feel like you want to hire that person the next step is to put them in the room with that team and mm-hmm. give them the opportunity to tell you what they think mm-hmm. and the other good thing there is if this turns out to be a mistake if this person turns out to be not a great fit Instead of that team looking at you saying, why did you saddle us with this person? They're going to all be saying the same thing. Look, we all got fooled, mm-hmm. right? It really helps with the, the mentality of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So if you need help in the interviewing process, feel free to let us know. Mm-hmm. We'd be more than happy to provide that. Although there's the caveat that we don't just yep. uh, headhunt. We don't just we don't run a meat market here. It's important that we operate more like matchmakers, and we understand what your actual need is, and we understand what the the interviewee's uh, skill set is, and what it's really like to work where you're looking to put someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, anything else? Man. We didn't. Uh, we covered a lot of material there. We covered a lot of ground. Yeah. So, uh, what's the jetpack? Here we are again without a jetpack. Right. Interview like you give a damn. <laughs> Isn't that like a beer commercial? Or yeah, something? that's dumb. <laughs> um, I don't know. We were pretty serious and on target this week. It was a lot. Yeah, we had a lot, a lot of ground to cover. What? Where are our outtakes? We don't have outtakes. We don't yet. have outtakes let's, let's, for shit. I know. Let's just riff. Right. On what? On what? On uh, interviewing. What's the worst interview you ever had? 
well, is probably the one where they asked me if I was going to get pregnant anytime soon. Uh, pregnant interview? Pregnant interview. Uh, there was also, I had an interview with a lawyer. Actually, that interview wasn't that bad, though. It was just the job. Yeah, I mean, so he, like, told me I was going to be moving to a different office with, like, no shirt on in a towel. Oh, he had no shirt on. Yeah. Yeah, so that was not a great interview but process. But that wasn't really an interview. That was really, like, kind of an internal interview. That was when he got out of the shower and came into his home office where I was working to tell me that uh, we were opening another office and I was going to work there, which at that moment I was probably <laughs> glad that that's what was going to happen. Okay. Don't interview people in your bath towel. No. I mean, no. unless, like, it's a weird kind of job. Yeah. I mean, if it's for like a like a spa, yeah, or like a <laughs> no, still weird. Yeah, it's, it's weird. <laughs> still weird, especially when she's like a nineteen-year-old girl and you're like an old lawyer man. Isn't this like that Kevin Spacey movie? I not know. <laughs> what was that called? I mean, so he never did anything. Yeah. Inappropriate. Kevin Spacey? No, 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 no. This lawyer. Oh. But he was an employment lawyer. Yeah, that's irony. <laughs> yeah. It was a weird guy. But that wasn't really an interview story. It was more a weird job story, but it was a bad company culture. It was. It was a really bad company culture. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think about other interviews. What other interviews have you had? Uh, so it was a radio station that asked me if I was going to get pregnant. Oh, nice. So that was a bad one. It was a country radio station. It was a country radio station. Yeah. That's also a very weird job, which I left when I found out that they were secretly recording employees in their cars. Yeah. Which it's is they not were, in the office. Their their radio station audio engineer yeah. was putting equipment in people's cars. So it wasn't me. It was higher level this people. This is a company, company I want to be a part of. But it weirded me out enough that I quit my job and that's the one that Jason will never let me hear via facsimile. Cuz I quit via fax cuz they were freaking me out. But they did, they gave us free pizzas though. They didn't give those to us. I know, but they like Repurposed them. Well, so they had a whole stack of free pizza cards at the mm -hmm. front desk yeah. that you would give to people who came in and visited or who won prizes or whatever, and uh, I was allowed to take them. About free pizza interview for a very bad job. That wasn't an interview. It wasn't in the interview that I got free pizza. I know, but I'm saying we'll give you pizza coupons. I mean... If you sign up for a very bad job. It's true. That was really, that was the whole fringe benefit of that job. Right. Was the, the pizza the coupons and also like tickets. Yeah. So if people won concert tickets. So like Lyle Lovett. Didn't show up to pick them up. Yeah. Then I could have them. Two tickets for Lyle Lovett. But it was, I remember we got tickets once for Oak Ridge Boys. And oh I was like, do boy. I really want to go see the Oak Ridge Boys They though? sung Elvira. I know. That's it. <laughs> no, wait, did they? No. Yeah, I think Elvira was like all they really that was did it. that I was aware of anyway. Yeah. yeah. What other interviews did you? You have less weird jobs than me. Oh, mine were all pretty jobs. straightforward. Yeah. Uh, I had an interview with a Klingon. Uh, the Klingon didn't actually interview you, though. Yes, Cindy interviewed me for that job. Yeah, but like she wasn't in full Klingon uh, garb. So I didn't know she was a Klingon at that yeah. point. So I got interviewed for a job at <laughs> Klingon interview. Klingon interview. <laughs> Minnesota Fabrics. Minnesota Fabrics. That was a job at a fabric store where I actually that uh, we were talking about whether or not I had been fired. I got fired at Minnesota Fabrics. Did you? Yes. It just didn't work out. You weren't Klingon enough. No, they, uh, so you'd measure the fabric 
and they audited me mm -hmm. and I was off by like two inches. Fired by a Klingon. And no, the Klingon didn't fire me. She just interviewed me, but that's appropriate, right? It was yeah. actually Sue who fired me. Yeah. Sue was like old as like the hills yeah. and like knew everything about like the fabric store and was like the god there. Like she only came out when you were in like real trouble. But Cindy was like the manager below Sue. And Cindy, I didn't know it on the day that she interviewed me, but it turned out that she like was a, a Klingon enthusiast and would go to Star Trek conventions in like full Klingon gear and had like spent years training to use a Batleth, which is the big Klingon weapon. Yeah. She knew a little bit of the Klingon language. Like she was serious. So I'm seeing a picture here of like, she has Batleth and she's firing you in Klingon gear, it says, no. and you're there like with scissors? No, because Cindy didn't fire me. Cindy liked me. I know. Sue Maybe she's defending me. you from old Sue. And there we go. And her, her shears. She's in front of me, <laughs> defending me from Sue. That's right. So Klingon interview? Yeah. All right. I love it. Okay, Klingon interview is a jetpack. I want to know about your qualifications. <sighs> <laughs> I don't think I had the qualifications to get a Klingon job at that point, but I think I could do it today. You could hold your own. I could work at a Klingon. I mean, I'd probably do well you there. You could work at a Klingon. I could work at a Klingon. A Klingon's a person. A Klingon consulting firm is where I was going, and then I changed gears. Okay. I could work at a Klingon consulting firm. Nice. Don't you think? It just always ends in battle to the death, though. Yeah, but like everybody just says what they mean all the time. It's true. Like nobody messes around. It's just serious. It's what it Straight is. Straight out. Yeah. I love the Klingons. Yeah. They're kind of, um, when you watch Star Trek Next Gen, they're really kind of based on Vikings. I like Vikings. Did you know the Klingons are based on Vikings? No. Yeah. Okay. Don't act like you don't care about Klingons. Don't do that. Okay. All right. That's you enough. You do care about Klingons. I've had enough today. So, the jetpack is Klingon interview. Klingon interview. Be happy. You, you can feel free to show up on the forum and school Jason on everything you mm. know about Klingons that he doesn't apparently know. It would be a lot. I didn't know it was called Batlet. What's their Valhalla? Uh, when they die? Yeah. They go to, uh, like, Sh Shobacor. <laughs> it sounds like an evil corporation. It's, it's where, where do Klingons go when they die? Stovacor. Stovacor. Yeah, you were, like, a hundred times closer than I would have been. <laughs> Stovacor. I love it. It's good. So, anyway... You can find us. You can find us at www.thecriticalpathwithmaryandjason.com. You can find us at Stovacor in the afterlife. One day. That's where we're going. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Arcade Wayfinder. You can find us on Instagram, but I will put the link in the show notes because I still have not checked in with our social media coordinator. Promises, promises. It's really terrible that I don't know our Instagram. I could probably just go search for it. And you could probably go search for it. Google it. You could find us on Google. You can find us on Google. It's true. There's a there's a website thing that's like uh, Google it for me. So that if people <laughs> so ask you, don't you a have question, to. well, it's no. It's if people ask you a question and they should have just Googled it, then yeah. it's like a passive aggressive way where Got you just it. send them the Google it for me link. Love it. To be like you should have just Googled this. Yeah. So yeah, you could probably find us there too. Maybe I could find that link and put it in the show notes. There you Let go. Let me put a note in and the. Uh, and, and you could put a link to the video, Google that shit. Okay. Klingon interview. Klingon interview. Check it out. Check it out. So we should now have, well, we don't have necessarily outtakes because the outtakes were before this. Wait for the beat to drop. Wait for it.